i filozofija i uopšte cijel sistem sadašnjeg društva postavlja vezano za prirodu zla i postojanje zla. Budi prosvajan Hristo. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for coming out this evening. And thank you to Jana for being prepared to come and try and translate me to you. I've been asked to talk something about the problem of evil tonight. And this is obviously a very large and very uh, profound philosophical issue. This will be uh, mind-stretching stuff. But it's my job to try and make sure it's not mind-breaking stuff. <laughs> so I'll be uh, trying to take things off the, the top shelf of the academic philosophical world. And make that available uh, to you this evening. Uh, so uh, do uh, be prepared to... Um, ask questions to tell me if I'm not communicating well enough to you. I've chosen just a, a couple of, uh, of angles at this big subject tonight. Um, but even there, I'm much more concerned that we talk uh, and get through just some of the material and understand it and have a good time with it. But I am to cover everything. <coughs> Such a big subject, I couldn't cover everything anyway. You'll see you've got some uh, handouts on the tables. Uh, which provide a, a translation uh, of a handout from a previous talk I've given on this subject. It won't be identical to what I'm saying tonight, but it'll be very similar. And it contains a lot of the important quotations and references that you could follow up later. Now, when it comes to trying to, to think about the, the problem of evil, particularly the, the problem that evil might be thought to pose for believing in God, it's one thing to try and show that despite the existence of evil, it can be reasonable to believe in God. It's quite another thing to try and think that you've understood the role that evil plays in God's world. What I'm going to try and do tonight is really to focus on 
arguments that atheists might give from evil against believing in God. And show that those arguments don't work. But that process won't necessarily leave us much better off in terms of our understanding well why is there evil then that would be a, a whole other topic um, so I've, I've given myself a limited task in a limited time and in a sense that's why I did want to just start with these song lyrics from the, the song that was playing as you came in they're written by the, the Christian musician Neil Morse uh, and he's talking about the death of his father and let me just draw your attention to some of the lyrics uh, let's see, there we go. On the dark side, there are times of suffering, and I don't believe I wear rose-coloured glasses. But as the pages turn, one day we'll learn of everything, but now we see through glass. It's an allusion to a passage in the Bible where St. Paul talks about um, seeing God as in a, a mirror, a, a glass, a, a mirror. But that one day when we meet God in heaven we'll see him face to face. So he's, he's saying we have an understanding of God now. But it is a limited and partial understanding. And we look forward to the day when we'll have a, a fuller understanding. Of things like evil. And by saying, I don't believe I've got rose-colored glasses. Um, it's the image of, of, of if my glasses had colored lenses in them. Everything would look um, pink to me, say. Everything would be rosy and happy. <laughs> because of the way I was seeing the world. And not really seeing it as it is. And he's, uh, Neil is saying, I, I don't think having hope in God. Despite evil, it is a matter of wearing rose-colored glasses. Yeah. And I guess for the Christian, the foundation of thinking that that kind of hope is rational 
centers on, on what we make, who we make Jesus Christ to be. Did he die a horrible, painful death? And yet rise to life on the third day? Um, was Jesus God incarnate? If he was, that tells us something, something fascinating about the character of God. Uh, as one author said, um, it's as if God has taken his own medicine. He's not like the um, the, fir- the First World War Army commander safe uh, drinking tea in his bunker. Whilst he sends the troops out to get massacred. Rather, he's put himself in the front line. For our sake. Um, and that perhaps gives the best Christian window into our understanding of evil and God. But from here on in, I want to focus on those arguments that atheists tend to make against God from evil. And we'll see how many of these sections we get through. And I will stop occasionally for, for questions. I'm not just going to lecture and then do Q&A. So the so-called logical problem of evil is the idea that there's a, a contradiction between the existence of evil on the one hand and the existence of God on the other hand. Things that are, are contradictory can't both be true. So uh, uh, a shape can't be both a circle and a triangle. If it's a triangle, it's not a circle. If it's a circle, it can't be a triangle. Um, if I say to you, I can't speak any English. But I've used English to say that. <laughs> so you know that what I've said isn't true. And it, it can't be true that I don't know any English. And some atheists have said, well, given that evil exists, it can't be true that God exists. By the very nature of the kind of things that evil is and that God is, you could have one or the other, but not both. 
Now obviously we've got evil. Očigledno imamo zlo. Therefore there's no God. Dakle ne postoji Bog. Well. <laughs> the first thing that some philosophers will say is that perhaps it's not actually all that obvious that God and evil are contradictory. Saying God and evil both exist isn't as at least as obviously self-contradictory as saying I can't speak English. Or saying um, this circle is a triangle. Rather, atheists in, in mounting this argument have to kind of tease out, uh, make explicit what the contradiction is meant to be. I ovi ateisti moraju na neki način da uh, izvuku to, da naprave eksplicitno to što jeste and that process of trying to, to actually show why we should think these two concepts are contradictory has actually proven to be very difficult. Um, you might even say the devil is in the detail. <laughs> Here is, I think, the best attempt to show that God and evil are contradictory concepts. First of all, you mentioned various qualities that God would have to have to be worthy of being called God. So, to be God, you'd have to be maximally powerful. And your, your, your thinking would have to be perfect. Uh, you'd have to be completely good. You'd have to be the being that created the universe. And when we talk about evil, let's say that we're talking about objective evil rather than subjective evil uh, a little note on that the idea that evil is objective lies behind claims like when I say torturing small children just for the fun of it is wrong I've said, I've said something that's true that's a fact it's not a physical fact, but it's just as much as a fact as the fact that the earth goes around the sun. 
To say torturing small children for fun is wrong is to discover something about reality. Those who deny that moral claims can ever be objective in that sense are called moral subjectivists. They would say, if, if one person says uh, torturing small children for fun is wrong and someone else says, no it isn't, it's fine. Sure, there's a difference of opinion. But it's not that one of those opinions is true and the other one false. It's as if I'd said, I prefer strawberry ice cream. And you'd said, well, I prefer chocolate chip ice cream. So we have a difference of opinion about which ice cream is best. <laughs> But it's not like I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> and that's kind of how moral subjectivists look at moral claims. Now, if all the problem of evil is saying is things I don't like exist but if God likes those things well there's a difference between us but it's not like I'm right and God's wrong then you're not really able to make an argument against God from evil. You have to be saying there are things that are really objectively evil that I think any being worthy of the name God really ought not to allow. So you see why saying that evil is objective is really important. So here's atheist uh, Robin Lepovna. I think this is probably the strongest version of this logical problem of evil. Okay, I'll read the whole thing and then, then Jana can. If God is all-knowing, he'll be aware of suffering. If he's all-powerful, he'll be able to prevent suffering or evil. And if he's perfectly good, surely he'll desire to prevent suffering. But clearly he doesn't prevent suffering and evil. So either there is no such God or sorry. Yeah. 
Or if there is a God, he is not all-knowing. Or he's not all-powerful. Or he's not perfectly good. Though he might be any two of these things. Maybe there's an all-powerful God who has the power to get rid of evil. Maybe he's perfectly good, so he'd want to get rid of evil. But he doesn't know that there's evil around. Because he doesn't know everything. And that's one of the things he doesn't know. Sam Harris, a famous atheist from America, makes a similar argument. If God exists, either he can do nothing to stop evil, or he doesn't care to stop evil, God, therefore, is either uh, impotent, not powerful, or evil. So, notice something significant about the way this argument has developed now. In the process of trying to make explicit the idea of a contradiction between God and evil, in the process of trying to make the supposed contradiction between God and evil obvious, the atheists end up producing an argument that isn't an argument for atheism exactly. It's certainly not an argument for the truth of a, a materialistic worldview. It's really only an argument against a certain kind of belief in a God. So, when you make the argument clear... It's not doing what the atheist at first wanted it to do. Are we clear on that point? Do you want anyone to ask a, a question about where we've got to? Okay. <laughs> then philosophers start asking some more pointed questions about this argument. Uh, would a, a good God necessarily desire to get rid of all evil now? That was one of the assumptions of the arguments that we looked at. Well, here's a quote from a couple of atheists. 
Richard Gale points out that we often feel justified in bringing about some evil or, or failing to pre- prevent something evil from happening. If that would avoid some even worse evil or obtain for us some really, really good thing. So even uh, Le Pravda, whose argument from evil we quoted, says suffering may be part of the divine design insofar as suffering is an essential consequence of some greater good. So here we have some atheist philosophers recognizing that, that one of the assumptions the logical problem of evil was built on isn't necessarily true. Which is a problem for the argument. <laughs> uh, here's another atheist, uh, J.L. Mackey from Oxford University. Uh, he asks questions about the concept of, of, of omnipotence, being all-powerful. Remember that the argument said, if there's an all-powerful God, then he would have the power to get rid of evil. Uh, Mackey actually says, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, even omnipotence can't do things that are logically impossible. So even God can't make a circle that is a triangle. And if God being omnipotent meant that he did have the power to do impossible things, then the logical problem of evil would collapse. Because you could just say, okay, evil and God are contradictory. But since God is omnipotent, he can do contradictory things. <laughs> so he can uh, arrange to exist in a world where evil exists. <laughs> Even though they logically contradict each other. So, for the argument to work, you have to recognize that even omnipotence can't do impossible things. But here, an atheist philosopher says, maybe God getting rid of evil now 
Ali ovi filozofi kažu možda Bog može da se reši zla sada. Is something that is impossible. To je nešto što je nemoguće. To make the argument work, you'd have to you'd have to prove that it is possible for God to get rid of evil. Da bi taj argument funkcionisao, vi morate dokazati da Bog može da učini da nastane zlo. You can't just make that assumption for no good reason. Ne možete da napravite tu asumpciju, tu pretpostavku bez nekog razloga. This is particularly where an issue called um, the free will defense comes into play. Ovde, uh, uh, here's a quote from another famous atheist philosopher of religion. Uh, William L. Rowe. I'll read the whole thing. Some philosophers have contended that the existence of evil is logically inconsistent with the existence of God. No one, I think, has succeeded in, in establishing that extravagant claim. Indeed, granted free will, incompatibilism, there's a compelling argument for the view that the existence of evil is logically consistent with the existence of God. <laughs> Neki filozofi smatraju da postojanje zla je logički nekonzistentno sa postojanjem Boga, teističkog Boga. Niko, ja mislim, nije uspeo da uspostavi takvu ekstravagantnu tvrdnju. Zaista... Za shvatanje da egzistencija zla je logički konzistentna sa egzistencijom teističkog Boga. Well done. I won't read this quote, but I'll put it in my own words. Um, this bearded chap is an American philosopher called Alvin Plantinga, who very famously in the 1960s put forward this argument. said, supposing God creates a world with people in it who have free will. And supposing that kind of a world is a really valuable world to have. I pripostavimo da postojanje takvog sveta je veoma dragoceno. Well, if God creates creatures who have freedom of will to make choices, ako je Bog stvorio stvorenja koje imaju slobodnu volju da izaberu, God can't make them choose in a certain way. On ne može da ih natera da odaberu određeni način. To try and make someone choose something is to take away their freedom of will. Um, so it's not possible even for God to create a world where people have freedom of choice and to guarantee that they always choose 
what he would like them to choose. It would be a, a, a logical contradiction to say God has given me free will and nothing that I do is up to me because it's all decided by God. And yet maybe the things that freedom allows are so good that they outweigh the bad things that evil allows. In particular, it would seem that a genuine freedom of the will is something that you need for genuine relationship. If you give me a love potion <laughs> that magically makes me love you, do I really love you? If I have no choice about it, if you know that really you have made me behave the way I'm behaving, would that be a genuine, valuable relationship? Or would it just make you a puppet master? Now, Plantinga adds this second implausible but possible thought. (laughs) He adds a second, an an implausible idea, but one that could be true, it's possible. Because you might say, okay, God giving people freedom of the will, that explains the evil that people cause. I možete onda reći, dobro, Bog je dao ljudima slobodnu volju, tako da oni mogu da biraju i mogu da odaberaju zlo. I to objašnjava zlo koje ljudi čini. To objašnjava zlo koje But what about the evil caused by the natural world making people suffer? Ali šta je sa tim zlom koje priroda sama stvara i zbog koje ljudi, pra, ljudi pate? People dying in earthquakes. Ljudi ginu u zemljotresima. That's no one's fault. What if demons misuse their free will to cause all natural suffering? Now, it's really important to notice something about this move. Plantinga is not saying that demons do cause all natural suffering. He's not saying it's plausible to think that they might cause all natural suffering. For the purposes of this argument, he's not even really claiming that demons 
do or might exist. All he's claiming is that it's logically possible that demons exist, have free will and misuse it to cause suffering. Now, just as long as that's possible, that proves that there's no contradiction between God and evil. Because you have uh, a number of possibly true statements um, humans have free will and misuse it there could be demons who have free will and misuse it and if those claims were true then they would entail the existence of evil uh, in such a way that even an omnipotent God couldn't get rid of that evil without getting rid of the good things that free will permits. So he's not saying, here's an explanation of, of why, how come God and evil coexist. He's just saying the atheist has claimed it's impossible for God and evil to coexist. But here's a story. It might not be true. Probably isn't true. But it's logically possible and it's a story in which both God and evil exist with no contradiction between them so clearly evil doesn't contradict the existence of God uh, Michael Bergman philosopher of religion puts it like this there is a nearly unanimous agreement among both theistic and non-theistic philosophers of religion that the logical version of the argument from evil doesn't work. Great. Uh, let me give some space to you to ask questions about that. It's it's quite mind stretching stuff, isn't it? The thing that you said about uh, demons misusing their free will mm. is that uh, argument that that uh, some theologians are. Uh, agreeing with, or that's just a possibility that he just gave us example. Yeah. So this example of, of demons misusing free will, does d- do any Christian theologians actually say that is the explanation? I think some Christian theologians would say 
that might be part of the explanation. But I don't think any Christian says that is the explanation for natural suffering. But all you need to, to rebut the logical problem of evil is that it's possible that that's the explanation. Yeah. Don't be shy. Does anybody really accept that logical explanation of evil now, nowadays? Which, ex- which explanation? Uh, the idea that if it's evil here, uh, God don't exist. I see, yeah. Some people still think the logical problem would be what I I quoted from Sam Harris. Mm -hmm. And Sam Harris thinks it's a good argument. Clearly even he doesn't think it's an argument for atheism. He just thinks it's a good argument against a particular understanding of God's nature. But most philosophers of religion um, think that the argument isn't a good argument. Not even a good argument against a particular understanding of God. Um, the debates moved on from, from that discussion, really. Let me show you where the debate has moved on to. And I think this is easier to grasp. It gets simpler from here on in. <laughs> it's what's called the, the evidential argument from evil. So most atheist philosophers would say something like this. Okay, the existence of evil doesn't contradict the existence of God. It doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. But doesn't it seem to make the existence of God unlikely? Isn't the reality of evil evidence against God's existence? And if you were to try and again put this argument in a in a in a, a formal fashion, you would typically come up with something like this. Uh, 
the first claim that you would make is, I don't see any good reason why God would would do or allow some evil. That might be a, a particular example of evil. Why would God allow babies to die from cancer? Or it might be the existence of so much evil in the world. Maybe I could understand God allowing a bit of evil, but so much. The second premise in the argument would go like this. If I can't see a good reason, a justifying reason for God allowing that evil, there probably isn't a good reason for allowing it. Now, if both of those claims are true, number three would follow from them. Therefore, there probably is no good reason why God allows this evil. Then you only need to mention that, of course, if there's a God worthy of the name, he surely ought to have a good reason for any evil that he allows. But since we've already said there probably isn't a good reason for allowing that evil, it follows from three and four that five, therefore God probably doesn't exist. Now you see why this is, is not the logical problem of evil. Because now the argument isn't saying it's impossible for God and evil to exist. It's saying given evil, it's probable that God doesn't exist. Or that the existence of evil is, is, is some evidence, some reason for not believing in God. Now, three follows from one and two. And five from three and four. So, if you want to wrestle with this argument, you really need to wrestle with these first two premises. And number four. Because if they're true, the other bits just follow from them. Well, let's look at premise number two. That is, if, if I can't see a good enough reason for God allowing this evil, then uh, there probably isn't one. How plausible a premise, a, a claim, is that? Let me give you a, an illustration. We have here a nice big fridge full of food. 
And it's open. And we can look inside the fridge. If we look inside that fridge and say, uh, I can't see any adult elephants in the fridge. Can you see any? No. That's probably a good reason for thinking there aren't any adult elephants in the fridge. And that seems like the kind of claim that's being made when you say, if I can't see a good reason for God allowing evil, there probably isn't one. I mean, failing to see an elephant in the fridge doesn't prove that there's no elephant there. I suppose we could be hallucinating. <laughs> the fridge could be a mirage. <laughs> But it seems pretty reasonable to say the fact that I don't see an elephant there is a good good reason to think there isn't one. But suppose we change the illustration a bit. And I say, okay, look look at the fridge, everyone. Do you see any bacteria in the fridge? I don't see any bacteria. Therefore, there are probably no bacteria in the fridge. Now, is that claim a reasonable claim to make? Well, unless I get out a microscope. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Clearly, I, I'm not justified in thinking that there aren't any bacteria in the fridge just because I've looked and haven't seen any. So applying that to this argument from evil, it raises this question. When you make the claim, because I can't see a good reason for God allowing evil, Therefore, there probably isn't a good reason. Is that more like saying there's probably no elephant in the fridge? Or, or more like saying there are probably no bacteria. And how would you know which it's more like? See, you, you can't perhaps be as confident in the truth of this premise number two as you may have initially been tempted to be. Uh, there's a good quote here from Gregory Gansel. Given that if God exists, he's got good reasons for allowing evil. 
unlikely is it that we should know what the reasons are? Well, I think we should expect to be able to, to see some likely candidates in some cases, but not in others. People who press the argument against God's existence overestimate the number of cases where we ought to be able to figure out the reasons and underestimate the number of cases in which we can figure out the reasons. Another related issue is this. When we're making judgments about uh, what evils God could allow, it's easy to fall into um, drawing an analogy between God and us and human parents and their children. Because we talk about God as our father and so on. Uh, and that analogy of, of God being our father uh, has some truth to it. But all analogies break down and fall short somewhere. Mm. So we tend to So we tend to think um, I as a human wouldn't allow couldn't justifiably allow this to happen to someone else if I could prevent it. Therefore God couldn't possibly be justified in allowing it. But actually, when you, you think about our relationships just between people, you do notice that parents have more, more rights over their children's welfare than strangers. Um, for example, a, a parent might um, expose their young child to um, some childhood disease. That's going around the neighborhood at the moment. 
because they know even though the child will, will suffer having that disease it's better that they have it early have it young because it would be much worse much more severe if they catch it when they're older um, but I wouldn't have the right to do that to their child because I'm not the parent parents have more rights because they're involved in the, the creation of the child they have a certain relationship with the child that gives them more leeway of action than that which is available to a stranger so similarly God is not simply involved in the creation of people he's the fundamental thing that's involved in the existence of anything uh, God in a sense is much uh, more fundamental to your existence than your parents are so maybe he has even more leeway of justifiable action than the case of human parents with children. So actually this analogy between God's fatherhood and us should point us in the direction of, of thinking that God can allow more evil things to happen to us than putting on the same level as human parents would let alone putting them on the same level as strangers that he would be justified in allowing certain things to happen to us by virtue of the fact that he's our creator uh, allowing things that we couldn't be justified in allowing to happen to each other mm. But there must be a limit one would think but this analogy might, might indicate to us that the limit is, is, is higher than we might at first think some questions about that discussion of, of premise 2 elephants, bacteria, parents <laughs> Hvala novi bakterije, roditelji. 
Терейски срок признаване зла, постоянно зла, не води директно той да море да приготви да постои зло. Ще да кажете. So, doesn't... Айде, Марко, ти, реци. For people who are atheists, don't they, if they admit that there is evil, shouldn't admit that there is a God also when we watch, when we look at that premise that we were talking about? I think yes, I was going to mention this later, actually. But let's talk about that now since you've raised it. Okay. There's an argument for God called the moral argument. And it relies upon thinking that evil is an objective reality. Remember our, our initial discussion about the objective nature of morals. And of course, you can just as well point to something that's objectively evil to make the point that morality is objective as you could make that point by pointing to something that's objectively good. So one of the premises of the moral argument is that there is objective value in the world. You could say Here's some example of something that's objectively good. Parents ought, really ought, to love their children. Um, equally, you could point to something that is objectively evil. He really should not torture that child. If you combine that claim with a claim that links the existence of objective values to the existence of God, if you link that claim with another claim, that says there can only be objective value in a world where there is a God. It would follow from those two claims that God exists. So that the structure of the argument uh, goes like this. If a good God does not exist, nothing is objectively right or wrong. But there are things that exist that are objectively wrong. Therefore, there is a good God. 
Now, of course, the atheists, as you say, making this argument against God from evil, have to accept that, that premise two is true. That their whole case collapses if they have a subjective understanding of what evil and wrongness is. So it all comes down to why on earth would anyone think that premise one is true? Uh, various different reasons actually can be given for this. When you think about the, the nature of right and wrong, and if you're thinking of them as objective facts in the world that you discover, you would say things like, I really am obligated not to torture small children for fun. I have a real moral obligation. But it's impossible to be obligated to something that's non-personal. So I must be obligated to something that's personal. But something personal that trans that transcends that, that that's above individual persons like you and me. Or societies made up of groups of people. To say that that morality is, is a matter of what you happen to think. You think I should always give you chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, is one of us right, one of us wrong? Uh, if all that there is to the moral fact is this difference of opinion between individuals, that's subjective morality. Or if one society thinks that keeping slaves is fine, Another society might disagree. But to say that one of those societies is right about to say people really are obligated not to keep slaves is by the very nature of the case to point to something beyond that culture or the individual people that make up that group. But what could that be? It's not individual finite people. 
It's not you or me. It's not a whole group of people. It's not us. Uh, it's not humanity. Something beyond that. But something personal to which I am obligated. See why it's beginning to sound quite a lot like at least part of what people mean by God. Or the fact that when I say we discover in our moral experience these commands we, we experience the, the, the force of this command you shouldn't torture small children for fun. There's an aspect of that moral fact which is telling me how I should behave. It's not, it's not just a description of how I do behave. It's saying this is how you should behave. But again, that kind of command or, or prescription would seem to be something you can only understand in terms of, of coming from a personal reality rather than a, an impersonal reality. So for this and other reasons you might give, you might think that this first premise is actually more plausible than its denial. But if one and two are true, then the conclusion follows. So, kind of, the problem of evil becomes a bit like a boomerang. Now we throw it away from you. Uh, originally it was a, a, a weapon. You threw it at your prey. But if it misses the prey, the weapon comes back to you. <laughs> and if you're not very skillful with it, you get hit. <laughs> so here's the atheist grabbing the problem of evil as a weapon against believing in God. But in that very process of, of mounting that argument, they have to at least in part buy into this argument in the other direction. Um, and if you think the other bit of the argument is solid as well, then you kind of have something to, to weigh in the balance against the problem of evil. So here's a, a balance pan. 
even if you thought that the, the evidential problem of evil had some weight, it was evidence that you thought did count against believing in God. Of course, you have to weigh that evidence against all the evidence for the existence of God. And there are a lot of arguments for the existence of God. But this, this moral argument is one that's really worth pointing to. Uh, because you, you can't make this problem of evil argument without accepting that evil is an objective reality. Which is one half of the claims that you need to make in order to give the moral argument for God. Yeah. Mm. If neo atheist people mm. are denying uh, objective evil, but they claim that uh, a religion is uh, evil. Yeah. It seems to me like it's like some kind of preparation for philosophical preparation, preparation for Antichrist for ideology. You know? mm. Everything, mm. You, no evil, absolutely no evil, mm. but only if you believe you are evil. <laughs> yes. Definitely. That, you may have heard of this group of atheists called the New Atheists. Particularly a group of American and English atheist writers. Um, and on the one hand, they do tend to say there is no objective evil. No objective distinction between good and bad. But on the other hand, they do say things like religion is evil. <laughs> um, which seems to be a contradiction. <laughs> um, indeed, if they meant religion is objectively evil, it would be a contradiction. I think they do contradict themselves. Now, not all atheists have the same viewpoint about this kind of thing. There are plenty of atheists who think that there is no objective difference between good and bad. And particularly, we've noted that any atheist who mounts the, the argument from evil 
Any atheist who makes the argument from evil to make the argument work would have to accept that there's this objective difference between good and bad. Yeah. Um. Right. Let's me think. Uh, let me give you one last um, illustration. I, I'm not going to read the quote again. I'll put it in my own words. But this is, is putting a question to premise four of that evidential argument from evil. Uh, and this was the premise, unless there is a good reason why God would allow evil, then God couldn't exist. When we, when we talked about the logical problem of evil, uh, and the atheists were trying to make that argument clear, they ended up making the claim that I suppose if God had, uh, if the existence of some evil was a necessary condition of something good. If you couldn't get something really good, like genuine loving relationships, without allowing the existence of something evil, like uh, bad, freely made choices. Then in that case, God would be justified in allowing evil. This premise sort of carries that forward, that idea. And it's saying that only in such cases where you'd have to have something evil to get something good could God be justified in allowing that evil thing. And again, some philosophers have actually called that into question. Uh, Peter van Invegen uses this illustration. You have a, a good judge in a court. And it seems obviously a good thing to uh, give a convicted criminal a jail sentence. They've done something wrong. And it seems to us a good thing to punish them. And we might say, because you've done this crime, we're going to send you to prison. And the judge has to decide how long 
to send them to prison for. A sudje treba da odluči koliko će taj zatvor trajati. So yeah, a 10 year sentence. I on odredi 10 godina kazni zatvora. Now it seems to us that the judge in giving this criminal a 10 year sentence could be perfectly good. Nama se može činiti da je sudija tako što je dosudio ovom kriminalcu 10 godina zatvora savršeno dobar. He might be doing his job really well. But think about this. Do you really need to send that criminal to prison for 10 years to punish him adequately for that crime? Wouldn't a punishment of 9 years, 364 and a half days da ne bi kazna od 9 godina 365 uh, dana 3 uh, adequately punish him for the crime adekvatno kaznila ga za taj zločin that extra half a day really makes a difference da li tih pola dana stvarno pravi razliku in terms of how just a punishment that is u smislu koliko je opravdana ta kazna is anyone going to be um, warned off committing that crime da li će neko stvarno biti prestati da teži tom krivičnom delu because of that half day in prison in the sentence so does a 10 year sentence really is it really something that you have to give the criminal da li su tih 10 godina stvarno nešto neophodno što moraš da osudiš tom kriminalcu in order to secure the good of a just punishment that deters other criminals that, that puts other criminals off making the same crime well okay probably not what if we take another half day off the sentence what if we took a week off or two weeks. Obviously we'd come to a point uh, we, we'd get to a stage where the, se- the sentence was obviously too short. And we'd say you really ought to give them a, a bigger sentence. But there's this sort of vague place ali postoji taj neki prostor između. Well, you don't have to have included some of the sentence that's been given. Gde ne morate uključiti jedan deo te kazne koja je određena. In order to secure the good things that giving a jail sentence gets you. Da bi se obezbedili dobre stvari koje zapisuju So, maybe it's not necessarily the case that God could only be justified in allowing certain evils if they were necessary for getting certain goods just as a, a good judge uh, can rightly impose a 10 year jail sentence 
kao što dobar sudija može pravično da osudi kaznu od deset godina zatvora. Even though we see there's an element of, of arbitrariness about that. Iako vidimo u tome taj uh, element arbitrarnosti. Likewise, maybe there, there could be an, an element of arbitrariness. Možda u tome postoji element arbitrarnosti. Or vagueness. Ili neke, uh, in the amount of evil in the world that a good God can allow. U količini zla koje dobar Bog može da dopusti. Now, just as uh, we talked about a, a jail sentence that was obviously far too short. Govorili smo o toj kazni koja je očigledno prekratka. I suppose you might have one that was obviously too harsh. A sa druge strane smo imali neku koja je očigledno previše stroga. And similarly, you might have an amount of evil in the world that was just obviously too much for God to allow. Slično možete imati i tu količinu zla koja je očigledno previše od onog što je Bog smeo da dozvoli. But that is a different claim. A str- ali, ali to je drugačija tvrdnja. Uh, a, a stronger, harder to prove claim. Uh, teža za dokazivanje tvrdnja. Than this straightforward claim number four. That there has to be this kind of one-to-one relationship between every bit of evil in the world and God having a reason that justifies every bit of evil. So actually both premise 2 and premise 4 of that evidential argument from evil at the very least seem a lot, a lot weaker than you might have thought at first meeting them. And as we talked about when we talked about the moral argument and the fact that you have to weigh the, the, the evidence for God against the evidence against God. Even if you thought that the evidential argument from evil, okay, it's quite a weak argument. But it has some weight against God, maybe. That doesn't settle the issue of whether it's reasonable to believe in God. Indeed, uh, Alvin Plantinger, who we mentioned with the beard earlier, talks about the role of, the role of religious experience in this subject. Uh, and draws an analogy. He says, uh, suppose you have been accused of committing a crime. Now you know that you're innocent. Because you remember everything you did in the last 24 hours. <laughs> and it certainly didn't include murdering Fred. <laughs> but all of the evidence 
that's presented in court points to you being guilty. Does that mean that you have to say to yourself I must have murdered Fred. After all, all the evidence points to me being guilty. I haven't got anyone to back up my alibi. I can't prove that I didn't murder Fred. I can't prove it to the court. But don't I know that I didn't do it? Well, maybe that depends on how strong the evidence that's presented in court is. I suppose it might get to a stage where I say, oh, I don't know, I, I must have been hallucinating that alibi. <laughs> maybe I did do it even though I don't remember doing it. But my my memory of not committing the crime would outweigh quite a lot of evidence pointing to my guilt. At least from my point of view. You might all think I'm guilty. Because <laughs> the evidence seems to point to that. Um, but nevertheless, I know that I'm not guilty. Again, it might be a bit like that with belief in God. For people who have a religious experience of meeting God, experiencing God as someone who is good, that experience could outweigh quite a lot of public evidence uh, pointing to his guilt. So the, the Christian has a, a, a resource in their religious experience that they can put in the balance against the argument from evil. They've got first-hand access to that evidence of God's goodness. Uh, whereas a, a non-Christian at best has second-hand access to that evidence. So, of course, it won't sort of count as much with, with a non-Christian any more than me saying to the court, but I remember I didn't kill Fred. <laughs> well, they ought to consider my, my testimony on my behalf. <laughs> but I can't really fault them if they don't take it as seriously as I take it. <laughs> now, I know I'm not lying. <laughs> but from your point of view, I suppose I could be lying. And so on. 
So this kind of takes us back to the, that song that we started with. The Christian in the face of evil saying, I think it's still reasonable for me to believe in a good God. Even most atheist philosophers admit that it's possible that God and evil both exist. There is an argument that evil counts against the existence of God. But it does seem to depend on, on several claims about reality. But at the very best are not as strong as they seem to be when you first meet them. When you really think about those premises the argument rests on. They're not all that impressive. And even if you think at the end of the day the, the argument from evil, the evidential argument is a bit of evidence that points against the Christian view of the world. You still have to ask, is that evidence strong enough to overwhelm the evidence from your personal religious experience, if you have that experience, and all of the arguments for believing in God. Particularly, note the, the moral argument for a good God. Uh, because the argument from evil has to admit that one of the two premises of that argument is true. So it then all depends on, well, is that first premise more plausible than its denial? Okay, that's the end of my prepared remarks. Uh, well done, everyone, for um, sticking with it. Uh, I hope, as I said at the beginning, you find it it's stretching, but not back-breaking. <laughs> and if it's been back-breaking, that's my fault, and I apologize. <laughs> Your suffering is now over. <laughs> but I will stay here to discuss one-on-one if you want to about anything.